one of another. And, and so in this passage, and he's talking about <coughs> business other places too where you're dealing with the world, but in this situation, the context is with believers. You're, you're <coughs> definitely not saying that it's good to lie to unbelievers. It's not. But in context, this is business dealings between believers and <coughs> and just everyday life, and so they're members one of another. And then a couple of weeks ago, we saw verse 26, 27, be ye angry and sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath, and, and so uh, that you need to uh, stop letting people uh, provoke you to anger, and uh, we all need to do that, and because when we do, when we allow people to provoke us to that point, uh, he says we sin not. There, there are times when uh, I do believe that we, we should uh, stand up, we can be angry, um, but we are already saw the example of that with Jesus. Only time that he was angry with that was in guarding the glory of God. And so, uh, same thing, and sin not. And that, that's a command to tell them, stop sinning. So obviously they were uh, very wrathful in their behavior, and they were angry, and they were letting the sun go down on their wrath, and so they were um, dwelling on those things, and they needed to stop it because, uh, verse 27, we need to give place to the devil. When, when you do those things, and you're angry, you're bitter, you're uh, getting thoughtful of those things, all it does is, is give that slanderer the, the devil himself, the, the accuser, an opportunity to get a foothold in your life. And uh, we, we know how, how deceiving he can be. And if he does that, he's not in it just to stir things up. He's in it to destroy you and everyone around you. So we need to pay attention to that. Well, he goes on and he gives us some more practical application of, of how we ought to be living. And in verse uh, 28, he says, Let him that stole steal no more. And so there were there were those that were, and, and this is uh, a command in that he's saying, Stop stealing. Okay, don't don't take what isn't yours. And, and uh, don't do it any longer. And and uh, make sure that, and, and here he's talking to believers, and you think about how we steal, and it could be all the way from grand larceny to non-payment of debts it, it can you know be lying about things uh doing things on on your on the company's hour that you've been told not to do uh plagiarism falsifying expense accounts and and i hate this but it even has the idea of lying to the irs and so um you know as as much as uh, thieves as they are we still need to be above board in what we do and and uh God's big enough to provide and take care of those things, and so we just need to be above board on those things and not stealing. And rather, he says, let him labor. And so now we, we need to understand that, that that word labor has the idea of toiling. I mean, we're, we're not talking about uh, easy labor. We're, we're talking about working hard for what you have. And and uh, it, it gives you an appreciation for what you have, right, when you do that. And, and we all need to have a work ethic. We need to have a good work ethic. And everybody's job is different. Some, some people's jobs are more manual than other people's. But uh, whatever your job is, you need to toil at it. You need to work hard at it, be honest at it, and, 
and, and labor. And then he goes on, working with his hands the thing which is good. And you, you can go through Proverbs, and I didn't write them down. I probably should have, but <clears throat> there are many times in Proverbs where it talks about the, 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 uh, the sleep of a laboring man is, is good. And it's, it's good to work hard, and, and you can lay down at night and know that you have a good conscience and, and you've done something productive that day and, and, and you're doing what, what uh, God has told us to do. Look, it, when, when Adam sinned, that brought the curse. And what was it he told Adam you're going to do? You're going to work the ground. It, and, and that is part of it. Now, so we know that we have to do that because of the curse. But we also know that if we do that, then God is going to bless your hard work. And so let us not be lazy about what we're doing. And then he goes on and he even gives warning to the Thessalonians that the Thessalonians, he said in, in verse uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 10, for he said, For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Now them that are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ, that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. And so the, the, the whole reason then for uh, working then is given to us in the last part of this verse, and this goes completely against what the world teaches and, and what, what the world thinks about it, because look what it says. It says, let him that steals, steal no more, stole, steal no more, but let, rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, So, and, and that labor and working hard is good, in order that, for the purpose that, he may have to give to him that needeth. You know, the, the natural approach is for men to work for the supply of one's needs and desires. It's all right to work for your needs, but be careful about all the desires. The, because what it leads to, the more income brings more needs and desires, then that raises your standard of living, and everything ends up revolving around self. And that, that isn't what he tells us to do, not, not according to the Bible. He says, and that he may have to give to him that needeth. The biblical view of secular employment today, and I wrote this down so I wouldn't mess it up, is that it supplies a modest standard of living for one's family, and the rest is used to help alleviate human need, both spiritual and temporal. Acts chapter 20, verse 35. I have showed you all things, how that so laboring, Ye ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 11. And that ye study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. And so it, it's just a total different philosophy. I, I mean, our, our world says get as much as you can and, and, and take as much as you can and and. Uh, save as much as you can and hoard as much as you can, whatever, all of those things. But that isn't what God tells us to do. And and so, y you know, the, the and, and I know I know what you guys deal with. I understand this. You know, we, 
we deal with it. People come to the church. You know, you, you have people come, and, and it's hard to discern if that person truly has a need. You, you don't know if they really have a need or if they're just lazy. And, and in today's society, we have a lot of laziness, and, and we have a lot of people that are, that are addicts, and, and they do not want to work. And they all they want to do, I, I, I talked to Dan, this one made me laugh. Dan Corallo sent out a text today, and they had two potted plants there by the front door of their church. Somebody stole one. made me laugh you know uh, i i just I, I wonder what is what are you going to do with a flower i mean did you not get your wife one for valentine's day so you know mother's day or i don't know but i mean what what do people do people are stealing stuff all the time you know it's an easy way i guess and and i i don't know i just find it uh, uh amazing i and, and our society just doesn't want anybody to hold anybody accountable. I was talking to the undersheriff the other day, and they they had a they had arrested a guy, and they finally got him on a bond where he had to stay in jail. But he said he has eighteen felony counts against him in Morgan County. He has eight felony counts against him in Larimer County, and then he had some other and. And some in well, twelve and Wells, and they've been letting him out. I mean, they've arrested him several times, and he just uh, and and our society just you know, well, he's got to have these things. No, he doesn't. That that is not his. That that was not his kid later. He does not need that. You want one? Work for one. You know, start out with a shovel, dig a ditch, make some money, put a down payment, buy your skid loader. Then go dig ditches for somebody with a skid loader. You know, work hard. Do what you need. And, and then, but we as believers, you still have to have discernment. And there, I'm sorry, but there just isn't thing, there, there isn't anything that, that I find that <coughs> is any more aggravating to me than stingy churches and stingy believers. I, I just... Uh, I, I just don't think we, we should ever be that. And if we can help someone, we should help someone. Now, you, you don't, you know, help them with their drug habits or whatever. You've got to be discerning. You don't help them with their lazy habits. But you know what? We can, we can be generous and help people along the way. And we should. And I believe that's what he's telling us in, in verse 28. And so there were people there. Hey, if he has it, I ought to have it too. So they go to stealing it, right? And, and that's where we're at in our society today. But then he goes on. He says, and, and, and this comes when somebody stole from you. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. <laughs> no, we still don't have any reason to, to talk like that, the, the corrupt, ungodly sailor. We, we need to control our language. We need to control our tongue. And, and, and that's a job, and we know that. But, he, but here he is telling us, you need to stop saying these vile things. Stop it. Don't be doing it. Don't, don't let people hear that and, and hear you talking like that and think, is this a child of God or is he not? You know, I mean, we, we need to show some discipline in our tongue and not be saying those things. And so let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. And 
and, and, and those corrupt things are rotten, they're worthless, and, and they're vain, and, and they're not good, and they're not healthy, and, and they're, they're, they're not going to, to be a blessing and a help to anyone. Paul wrote to the Colossians in Colossians 3, verse 8, But now you also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. David wrote in Psalm 141, verse 3, Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. Anybody else here have a problem with their mouth running when it shouldn't? Yeah, I, I know. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> I, I mean, and you understand James 3 where, where you know, it, it, you have to, but because it's a fire that burns out of control. And, and how many have we uh, can remember things that have been said that just shouldn't have been said? How many times have we lost our ability to witness to someone because of our foul language and the bad things that we're saying uh, about someone else, about our life, about, you know, our situations we're in, whatever it is, we need to show some more discipline in our life. And so let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. That's a command, right? But that which is good to the use of edifying. That and and why? What the 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 to build someone up, to help someone, to encourage someone. You know, you can do that even to an unsaved person. You you can encourage them, right? You you can you can be their friend and and kind to them and and, and help them along the way and and uh, that's a good thing, but just be careful so often when we're around those who are unsaved that your language can kind of follow suit with the unsaved. Don't, don't let that happen. And, but say those things that are edifying. Why? That, in order that, for the purpose that it may minister grace. That, in another way, you can, that you may give grace unto the hearers. And so... Let us be careful with the things that we say, and let us, uh, our words ought to be used for good purposes, for edifying one another. Proverbs 25 and verse 12, or yeah, verse 12, as an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold, so is a wise reprover upon an obedient ear. Let's see what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 12. that one down. I, I want to read that one. Ecclesi Ecclesiastes 12. Let's look at verses 10 and 11. The preacher sought to find out acceptable words, and that which was written was upright, even words of truth. The words of the wise are as goads, and as nails fastened by the masters of assemblies, which are given from one shepherd. You know, we see this all the time, and you guys understand this, that social media ha has, has seemed to have given people a liberty to, to say a whole lot of things that they wouldn't say to somebody face-to-face. -face. And we see a lot more of those keyboard warriors out there doing those things, and, and uh, let, let's make sure that, that our words are good words. And uh, Proverbs 15 and verse 23. I, I just read this uh, in my devotions. A man hath joy by the answer of his mouth. 
in a word spoken in due season, how good is it? I mean, why, why can we, why do we have to go around and, and I, I don't know, be the, the, the negative Nelly all the time? Why don't, why don't we have some joy in our outlook of things and let's be kind to those around us and, and, and let's give them answers that in a word spoken in due season, how good it is and uh, how good is it and, and let's have some discernment on what to say, what, what not to say and uh, Proverbs 25:11, he says a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. And so we want it to minister grace unto the hearers. Isaiah wrote this in Isaiah 50 in verse 4. He says, the Lord God hath given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. He wakeneth morning by morning. He wakeneth my ear to hear as the learned, that I should learn how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. You know, there, there's, we just never know what the power of the spoken word can do for someone. Oh, we know how, how it can tear someone down, but you think about how easily it tears people down. Well, it can also build people up. Now, we need to control that, and and let us do that. And Luke 4, verse 22, and all bear him witness, and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? I mean, you, you think about Jesus, and the only time that, that he ever got ornery with someone were the Pharisees and the Sadducees. That was it. Uh, I mean, he, he, was, he was not even mean to Judas Iscariot. But he sure was to the, the hypocrites. And, though, and I don't know, maybe he had some, you know, conversations with Judas on his own that he wasn't a part of. But uh, you can see that, uh, anyway, he, he was very kind. And here, the, the all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. Colossians 4, verse 6, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Well, powerful, isn't it, to learn to control our tongue and, and, and be an example to others that, that we ought to be. And now with that, in, in grace, there are times where we, we rebuke, we reprove people, and we do that for our own selves, right? And, and we want people to call us out. If we're doing something wrong, somebody ought to love me enough to say, hey, you ever given thought to these things that you're doing? And, and, and uh, be careful with that. Our words are powerful, and let's remember that. <clears throat> what, was that what was that Rush Limbaugh who said, uh, your words always mean something? I think he always you know, said something like that. And, uh, anyway, and that guy was powerful with his ability to use words, right? And we, we ought to be that powerful with the help of the Holy Spirit to use it in a God-honoring way, right? So, and then he goes on. So, I mean, you look at all these things. Put away lying. Speak every man truth with his neighbor. You know, we're, we're members one of another. Stop being angry over things that you shouldn't. Stop sinning in that. And don't let the wrath, uh, sun go down on your wrath. And don't, don't give the devil any opportunity. Stop stealing if you are. Be honest in your dealings. Work hard and be generous with what you have. And uh, stop letting corrupt communication foul up your testimony with 
goes around and, and rather use it to, uh, for the use of edifying and ministering grace and applying grace to people's lives. And, and now, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Stop grieving the Holy Spirit of God. These, these things that he has listed, he said, you're doing this, you're grieving the Holy Spirit of God. Think about, think about grief in your own life. I mean, think about how, how we have dealt with some sad things in our lives and, and, and how much that hurts us. And, and here, God is saying, when you are doing these things, you are grieving the Lord of Lords, King of Kings, the Holy Spirit of God, you are grieving him, to pain him, to, to, to vex him, to irritate him, to offend him, to insult him. I mean, we are doing that as believers. Oh, how careful we need to be, and let us not do that. For verses, for reference, if you want to write these down and look at them later, you can, because there are some long passages. So Psalm 78, verses 34 through 40 are good ones. Isaiah 63, verses 7 through 10. So Psalm 78, 34 through 40. Isaiah 63, 7 through 10. And 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23 through chapter 2, verse 4. All of those are talking about grieving the Holy Spirit of God. Now something interesting in the Old Testament, we're not going to get into the theological ramifications of this, but in the Old Testament, the, the Holy Spirit could come and go in your life. He, he wasn't there permanently like he is today. And so the, the indwelling of that Holy Spirit didn't necessarily mean that person was saved, okay? Holy Spirit could do what he wanted, moved around. Today, he's the down payment for our salvation, and he indwells the life of every believer and never leaves us. But so how do we grieve him? Like I said, Lying, not speaking the truth, not treating one another as members of the body, being angry and dwelling in it, giving Satan opportunities, stealing, not giving to those in need, corrupt communication, not ministering grace, being bitter, being wrathful, clamorous, slanderous, not being kind and not being tenderhearted, not forgiving one another, doing things with your hands which aren't uh, pleasing and saying that which isn't edifying. I mean, all of those things. And he tells us, stop grieving the Holy Spirit of God. Why? Whereby, by this Holy Spirit of God, you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Ye, that word ye is, is uh, plural, is all of us that know Jesus as our Savior. You're sealed forever. And so let us live that way, and knowing that, that we are sealed unto the day of redemption. And that word sealed, you think about it, that's your identification. That's um, marked with a seal. Remember when, when the king would give out a notice and, and want to send that information, he'd write it on that scroll and they'd roll it up and he'd take that little bit of wax and he would seal that paper and put a stamp on it. And uh, then when he, that guy would deliver it, that guy would know that it hadn't been read because the seal wasn't broken. And, and so here, we're sealed until... The day of redemption. So let's live that way, knowing that we have eternal life, and and let us be honorable in in what we're doing and and being what we need to be. And then he goes into these this list, and we're going to get through these tonight, so we'll be done with chapter four. But but all bitterness, 
every part of bitterness, okay, all bitterness, no excuse to hang on to any bitterness whatsoever. What is bitterness? Well, you think about it. I, I mean, you, uh, to be bitter, to embitter, to, uh, to be harsh. And, and uh, the, the word picture is having water that is not potable, okay? It's not useful, okay? It's not healthy. And so don't be that. James 3, 14 and 15. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. And so don't be bitter. Let's, let's work on that and get, get it out of our hearts and out of our lives. And, and wrath, when, when we think about wrath, that is an uncontrollable rage. Where where you you fly off and say things that you shouldn't you you do things, it, it's wrath that ends up putting people in prison. I mean that that's what happens when somebody is acting in wrath. And in Second uh, Corinthians twelve uh, verses, well let's just go over there real quick. Second Corinthians twelve verses nineteen through twenty one, and, and uh, let's read those verses. So. Again, think ye that we excuse ourselves unto you. We speak before God in Christ, but we do all things, dearly beloved, for your edifying. For I fear, lest when I come, I shall not find you as I would, such as I would, and that I shall be found unto you, such as you would not. Let there be debates, envyings, wrath, strife, backbitings, whisperings, swellings, tumults, and lest when I come again, my God will humble me among you, and that I shall bewail many which have sinned already and have not repented of the uncleanness and fornication and lasciviousness which they have committed. I, I mean, that, that is the characteristic of a carnal person, all right? And, and so when we think about the, all of these, the, the envyings, the wraths, and then all of this list of stuff, stay away from that. And then remember what he said, that, that's the characteristics of the carnal Look over in Galatians chapter 5 and look at verse 19. <clears throat> now the works of the flesh are manifest. Which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, varyings, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Why is that? If that is the habitual, that, that is the characteristic, that, that that is what you display daily in your life, then that is not a normal behavior of a saved person, okay? That is the normal behavior of an unsaved person. And, and so it's not those things that send you to hell, but it's what's coming out of your heart that's being manifest through what you are saying showing us that you are an unbeliever. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. I mean, those are the things that we ought to be showing in our lives, right? Characteristics of, uh, uh, you you saw the characteristics of the the carnal, you saw the characteristics of the lost, and then you saw the characteristics of, uh, of of one who's walking in the Spirit and not grieving the Holy Spirit of God. So get rid of the bitterness out of your life and, and get rid of the wrath out of your life. 
get rid of the anger. Why, boy, why is that? I mean, all three of these first three are powerful emotions, right? Bitterness, and, and, and you have the horrible bitterness, you have the wrath, now you have the anger, and the indignation, the hostility, the animosity, even grouchiness. James 1, verse 19, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Clamor. Think about clamor. Sometimes clamor is they're shouting, they're loud, they're quarreling, and, and, and loud outcries of anger that's, that's going on. You, you see that so often. You, know, you, you see that a lot of times at, in, the, in the barroom brawls and the, uh, you know, and the, and the couples that, that are you know, wasted and having a big fight in their home, and, and you hear all the yelling and screaming going on, and that's what clamor is, right? And then evil speaking, the, the, blas- the blasphemy, the slander, the defamation, and, and it refers to God and to one another. Evil speaking against God, evil speaking against one another. Colossians 3 and verse 8, But now you also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. And then he goes on and he says, Be put away from you, let all those things be put away, take them all away, and also include malice in that. And malice is depravity and, and, and you know the, just the depraved nature of of people and and how the the uh, the the badness and the wickedness of of things in this world and and it's all inclusive and seems to include uh, many things and and so but we need to put all those things away. That's a lot of work to do. I mean, but here's the nice thing: he doesn't stop with that. He says, "Those are all those things. Put them away." But it's really simple. Simple how you replace them. And really, you know how you get rid of all that stuff is just focus on doing the right things. Don't focus on all the bad things. Just focus on doing the right things. What are the right things? And be ye kind one to another. What's so hard about that in our society today? I, I mean, you know, not only do we have the, the, the keyboard warriors, but we have the, the, the crazy nuts driving. I mean, really, I mean, I think God put this here as I'm thinking about this just tonight. I come out of brush, and I, and I follow a guy doing 45 miles an hour because it's windy. Well, and I had a couple of opportunities. I, man, I could whip around this guy. I'll, I'll get around him, and then I'm going to whip up there. I'm going to pull over, get the mail. He's going to think, what is this jackwagon doing? He just passed me. I thought, you know what? what, what is the big deal? And I actually didn't do it tonight. Well, and I stayed back there and followed the little slow poke, and I'm sure he may have gotten to Fort Morgan by now. And, and <laughs> you know, some sometimes we're just unkind. May, maybe we should all live by Wendy's motto on her uh, license plate, be kind. I, I don't know if that would be wise for me to have that license plate on my truck. I need to work on that. But we do. We just need be kind to one another. There, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Have you ever given thought that these people that are living in such a state of confusion in, in, in all the sexual orientations today, that do you ever think that maybe you might win that person over to Jesus by just being kind? It is disgusting, some of their lifestyle, but some of the things I do is disgusting. You know, sin is disgusting to God. 
And he doesn't like any of us. And so let's be kind to one another. Tenderhearted. And show a little compassion to people. You know, we're, we're in such a wicked world today, and, 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 and nobody cares about, there's no sacredness for life, nothing, you know. But let's be tenderhearted and forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. You know what? We need to learn to forgive. We, I've worked on that. I've thought about that. What's a good definition for forgiveness? Because i I, I got to think about all the things that people have done to me and, and how I'm never going to forget those things, and but I can still forgive them, but I don't have to forget. And you, you know, you know what you have to do. You just have to define it by what did God do for you. He tells me that He forgave my sins and cast them as far away as the east is from the west. And He tells me that they're in the deepest part of the oceans that we still don't know even the depth of that. So I, I've I've changed my mind on forgiveness. I just need to move on and. And those people don't, don't, don't have any impact on me to cause bitterness, anger, strife, or any of that. As a matter of fact, I think there really ought to come a point in time where you can at least, in a soft and tender heart, pray for them somehow. I don't, I don't know how to get to that. If somebody's done something really atrocious to you, that, you know, it doesn't mean that everything's going to be all back to where it was. But you, you know what? There can be a peaceful outcome. And... Why do I say that? Because, well, that's how he forgave me. I mean, I, I do all kinds of junk, and guess what? He forgives me. And I go to him, and, and yes, my responsibility is to seek that forgiveness, you know? Hey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I did this. You're forgiven. I'll cleanse you of that. I'll move on. Do the right thing. You know? And, and in our lives, you know what? Some, sometimes... Maybe it never, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I know we're dealing with human nature, but do your best to ask God to deliver you of those things and just move forward and be what God wants you to be. Three things, right? Kind, tenderhearted. That's, that's a hard one. Kind, tenderhearted, and forgiving, okay? Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are kind, tenderhearted, and forgiving to us. So, Father, I pray you help us to manifest that in the way that we treat one another. Guide us and use us, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.